Hi, I'm Alan Forsyth, and you're listening to Half Court Press Podcast. Hi, I'm Steph Tyrrell from Buckingham Hockey Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm Oreo Galano of Serpentine Hockey Club. This is the Half Court Press Podcast. Give it a listen. Let's go. This is Laura Unsworth, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. Hey, hi, uh, my name is Neil Shaw. I'm the one of uh, Scotland Masters uh, hockey team who won gold in Rotterdam. Uh, and you've been listening to the Half Court Press Podcast with Teal McLeod. Verbals from the Goalkeeper is the ninth series from the Half Court Press Podcast. Here, we celebrate all things to do with goalkeeping in the sport of hockey. Across all of the episodes, we will hear from a variety of keepers who tell us about their careers, experiences and thoughts on this unique position. Your presenter is Theo McLeod. Hi there, it's Tommy Alexander from UHC Hamburg and Scotland. You are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. And we're back with our goalkeeping specials for the Half Court Press podcast. I am sat here with Scottish hockey men's international goalkeeper, Tommy Alexander. Hey, Tommy, how you doing? I'm well, thanks for having me. For, for those of our listeners who, who don't know who you are, can you give us a little background of, your, of, of where you're from, uh, uh, who you play for, and so on and so forth? Uh, I'm Tom Alexander, uh, I'm the Scotland first choice goalkeeper um, and I've been in the squad um, since 2017. Um, my club career um, as a first team goalkeeper started back in 2012, I think it was, for Indian Jim Carner in the second division of uh, uh, English hockey um, and then up to two years, moved to Reading for four years, um, had three HA Cup med- uh, winners medals and a Premier League runners-up medal. Um, and on the back of that, uh, I moved to Germany and Hamburg and I'm now into my third season with uh, UHC Hamburg. Well done. Yeah, I believe one of the, um, one of the top, top teams in, in Germany, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I, I like... Uh, like clubs with history and a kind of family feel um, so when I was um, so the reason I moved down to Germany was when, when I didn't get a GB contract in, um, in 2018 um, I decided that you know did I want to stay in the UK and remain amateur or did I want to kind of get paid to play hockey and uh, expand on my coaching and have a have a better style of life, if you like, that the UK can't offer. Um, but in Germany, the sport is predominantly semi-professional to professional as a club player, not as an international player. Um, and basically, Michael Bremner was already playing at um, UHC. Uh, he was in his second season, but um, the club had the Olympic goalkeeper previously, uh, Nico Jacobi, um, absolute top guy, top goalkeeper. Um, he just retired um and basically there was an opportunity to to move across on the back of that um and yeah i've been fortunate to hit the ground running and um and, uh, now we have four scottish internationals at uhc so, and uh former south african olympic uh, player as well so there's a lot of english-speaking 
players down and um, my my mentor who um, I run uh, iconic goalkeeping with is Jimmy Lewis. Um, the company's been founded on the back of us um, working together regularly and um, there's a real demand for high-level goalkeeping coaching within Germany. So we're, we're, we're hoping to offer that, especially as he's the German national team goalkeeper himself and he's played in Germany like that for Flopbeck. So, yeah, it's a nice little kind of round circle kind of uh, kind of coming together. So, so if people want to find out more about Iconic Goalkeeping, your, your company, your, your brand, uh, where can they go? Where can they find out more about you? Social media, the best place for us is Instagram. Um, we haven't quite mastered TikTok yet. That's probably the next thing to do. I'm feeling, starting to feel my age. I think that I can't really keep up with the kids on TikTok. But uh, yeah, Instagram at Iconic Goalies uh, is the best place to find us. We're on Twitter and Facebook as well. So um, they're, the, they're the place to see kind of what we do. Um, we've been around since the start of 2020. And we, at the moment, don't the camp. Um, you know, we only have the top uh, international goalkeepers that have been coached by Jimmy uh, running, uh, you know, leading the coaching sessions. So um, Rosa Kruger, who's probably the best single goalkeeper in the world, she, she and plays and is in the national team for Germany. Um, Anton Brinkmann's the German 21 goalie and plays at HTHC, uh, sorry, HTHC in English. And... Um, uh, Amy Gibson, Scottish ladies goalkeeper, who plays at Ulster and the most successful British, uh, I think male and female athlete um, in terms of Germany and domestic. So she she does it uh, with us as well, uh, and myself and Jimmy. Uh, and there's a there's a you know we have a large large base of class goalkeepers available to us. So we're very fortunate. I do I do love Amy Gibson. Yeah, Amy Gibson. I I I messed up when I was covering the the second tier Euros a couple of years ago, a year, year and a half ago, which Scotland won, and it's great in terms of copy. She's fantastic. I went to speak to her for like a minute or two minutes ago with like a little quote after the match. I was there a quarter of an hour later, so I was chatting to her about goalkeeping styles. Yeah, she 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 has the world class goalkeeper. There's no doubt in my mind about that. She's proven it by coming over to Germany, which is with the probably the best domestic league um, of she plays for one of the top teams. Um, but she she's made a huge impact since she's got here. Um, I think would be an understatement. I know she had a lot of injuries and things like that, but in terms of where she is as a goalkeeper, um, she's that you know she she was class world class as well. Um, but you know, to only have one GB cap is is very strange to me. So yeah, no. But she's she's a great girl and she's doing really well. And she lives not too far away with Gav Byers. There's a nice little community here. So yeah, no, she's 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 a good girl. Yeah. So what's going on at GB hockey? They've they've missed out on Amy Gibson. They've missed out on uh, on yourself. Uh, are they are they not very fond of 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 British of uh, Scottish goalkeepers or? Um, in the last Scottish goalkeeper um, to play was obviously Ali McGregor, who I mean at 2008 he was for the men's team. Yeah, Nicky Cochran is playing, isn't he? Nicky Cochran's in there. Oh, but she's she's been um, removed. So thank you for quoting me on that. 
Uh, and then obviously on the men's side, it was Ali. Um, I mean, Ali was phenomenal. Um, definitely deserved to be there. And um, I'm glad that he's back involved with GB as a coach, mainly as the kind of junior uh, GB coaching. But I don't know. I think uh, my opinion, there is definitely um, uh, a issue in terms of how you look, where you're from, all this type of stuff. There's a, there's a clear system to go through. And if you don't tick the boxes, then, I mean, I, I'm not the only one. There's Welsh players, not just Welsh players. I mean, I'm glad to see Rupert Shifley, but how it took him so long to get a cap, I have no idea. He's been classed for so long. Um, you know, there's other guys in the, Scot- in, you know, in the Scottish setup that should be play- I mean, how Kenny Bain hasn't got a cap, I still don't really understand. So, I mean, I hope Cammy Golden gets treated fairly and gets a chance. But, I mean, he's in the under-21s now. So, but yeah, there's definitely, um, you've got to be the right mode, I think, go to the right school, right university, all this type of stuff. So um, it's harsh, but that is the situation. You've got to just roll with it and make the situation the best you can for yourself. All right, so back, going back into towards your career, I mean, what have been your successes? What have been your, your biggest challenges? Definitely with the national team in terms of uh, getting to World League Three uh, to get even to get to the World Cup qualifiers and actually miss out narrowly on the World Cup shows kind of where we were to break the top 20 before we are restricted that we can't go to as many tournaments because it goes from Scotland to GB and everything else. So that so that was a huge uh, huge achievement. Finishing fifth at the Commonwealth Games was also massive. That was the highest Scotland have ever finished. Um, so yeah, and then I mean promotion from the B division into the A division. That was a massive massive uh, achievement as well. Been I think twelve years since Scotland have played in the A division. So the, uh, your hockey championships. Yeah, yeah. I was there. So you do do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was amazing. A home tournament massively helped, and um, but I mean that squad that we had at that particular point, which also went to the commies, basically, was the best blend of players with experience and youth. Um, it was a shame we couldn't hold on a couple more guys for one more year because um, some of those guys were irreplaceable. I mean, Chris Grassick, obviously, bless him, is, he kept getting injuries left, right, and centre, and he he's fine. But his body just couldn't <laughs> keep up with his ability almost. Um, I mean, uh, Gordon McIntyre, amazing player, such a player. We had young guys like Jamie Wong, who's super talented, um, but kind of disappeared, um, went traveling, didn't have such a good time in Holland. So you lose a player of that quality. And then you're kind of asking young guys to step up into the deep end and you know play against some of the best teams in the world, Germany, um, Holland, all these you know all these top guys. So yeah, it was a big ask at the last Euros. So in terms of uh, negative steps with the national team, obviously being um, relegated from the A division, so we're prepping for the B division again. Um, you know that that was definitely a knock internationally. You know not you know, trialling with GB and being in and around the squad for a little bit and then being told I was too small for short corners um, by Bobby Crutchley and John Bleeby. That was really tough. Um, with out stats to back it up. Um, when actually my stats at World League 3, for example, were better than England. So that was, I was kind of tough pill to swallow. Um, and that was when I made the decision to move to Germany. 
Um, and then on to club hockey, two really good years. Lindy and Jim Carner didn't go up, didn't you know, didn't get promoted or anything like that. But you know, it, for me, it was a stepping stone into the into Premier League hockey and four amazing years with Reading in terms of three HA Cups, uh, runners up medal in the Premier League. Considering it wasn't the old Reading that had all the basically the GB team, it was a young um, team transitioning. So that was achieved and yeah uh, UHC has been great my first season we hit the final four of indoor and outdoor which was kind of unexpected the, the standard of hockey here is so high um, so yeah that's been good and the second season is kind of the third season as well because of COVID so uh, but we're doing well in the table we're, we're happy where we are so yeah we're kind of prepping for, 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 for April now. So yeah, being told that you're too short to be a goalkeeper, which is which seems amazing to me. Um, how tall are you? Um, five foot eight, so about one seven four. So I'm not very tall, um, but five foot no, I make up for it. Hey, five foot eight was it? Yeah, five foot eight. No, that's about the same height as me. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, Maybe I'm not a good example because I was an awful goalkeeper, but uh, <laughs> that's because I. Yeah, it's, you know, I've had this discussion with loads of people, and at the end of the day, height is essentially irrelevant. It's just speed. Obviously, the taller you are, you don't have to be as quick. The smaller you are, the quicker you have to be. Um, but things like balls in close and around the feet and things like this are definitely better for a smaller goalkeeper, and then balls in the corner naturally you're just going to have to be a little bit more powerful a little bit more explosive a little bit quicker that's it it's just that it's that trade-off between if you've, if you've got enough speed to cover the lack of height and um you know that that's all it is but it, it might not look so conventional or whatever but some of the best goalies around aren't, aren't these giants so. well amy gibson uh amy tennant um they're both tiny yeah there seems to be this kind of hockey that it's completely acceptable because I mean like someone like Rosa Kruger is even smaller than them and she's the German national team goalie and and she is and all the goalies you've mentioned are absolutely quality uh it's not judged on there's no stereotype or anything like that it's very much of these girls are good so they play and that's how it should be um there seems to be okay obviously the men's game is quicker um so just mean you know have to be quicker than that so that, that's the reality but it, it, the UK has a kind of uh, picture of how you should look um, again Germany have got Victor Allian goal who's um, from a young age at the age of 14 I think it was at Flockbeck he's one of the smaller goalkeepers he's he can't be much taller than 5'9 maybe 5'10 absolute tops so there's pretty Playing, not, not having stereotypes, I think it's part of it. I mean, even at five foot eight, I think if I if I laid across um, my, my goal line, I think I could pretty much almost touch post to post with my tippy toes to the top of my stick. So if I have a very long stick, you know what I mean. So in terms yeah. of planking for short corners, um, but yeah, I mean, it was specifically said on drag flicking, but I I would have liked that argument brought up with with stats. Um, and then when I questioned Bobby on stats, he didn't really have any much to come back at me with. And then, uh, uh, and then in Germany, set a Bundesliga record in my first year of I think it was 63 corners and no goals, um, which had never been done before. So I, I, I know it's not, that's how it is. So, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good record to have as well, isn't it? It's um, especially in Germany. I mean, obviously, Mink van der Weyden has come this season, but a lot of the national team have been fed. Uh, Matt Grambush, all these, uh, not Matt, uh, Tom Grambush are good flickers. Um, obviously, I have unbelievable runners and postmen and blockers and everything else. It's not just the goalkeeper, but actually, uh, the coach allowed me to set up the corner defence. The guys really bought into it. Um, um, yeah, so it's you know corner defense isn't just about the goalkeeper. It's a it's a team team effort here. Uh, well, yeah, I was, it's not this this tactic as well in terms of defensive positioning. It's not it's not a new thing in any invasion sport. I mean, Jose Mourinho has been doing that for years. Of hey, you can have as many shots as you want, but as long as they're right at our goalie, it's uh, it's you, you set up the defense to suit the uh, suit the. The players that you have for that that goal can be sort of short things that, that up appropriately. Yeah. Uh, right back to yourself in terms of your goalkeeping career. How long have you been a goalkeeper? Uh, I was eleven, so twenty years now. So you're thirty-one now. Yeah. And for those <laughs> who aren't uh, who aren't in uh, open toe sandals. Um, <laughs> Not at the moment. <laughs> uh, so, have you have you always played played uh, as a hockey goalkeeper? Have you played other sports? Uh, yeah, prior to that, it was a football goalie. Um, I only so my my family had no um, in terms of my mum and dad and no one no one's played hockey. Um, I picked it up playing at school. Um, basically, I was the school eighteen goalie. At a young age, and um, yeah, just saw, just saw the pads, thought they looked really cool, um, like the idea of that, and kind of just took to it straight away. The similarities were, were there within football. Um, obviously, I had to change my game the higher the level I, I got because uh, I didn't actually really play club hockey till I was 18. The Reading coach who asked me to come and get involved. So, when I was 18, I was involved with uh, Reading as a junior player under Nick Brothers, who was the GB goalie at the time. So I learned a huge amount of Nick. Um, but yeah, prior to that, I didn't really have much club exposure or, or understanding of the system and how, how hockey even worked. Um, but yeah, other sports played cricket and rugby all the way through. Um, I wish I didn't play rugby so much, but when I was at school, it was thinking back. Uh, and I loved cricket, played played that as a wicket keeper as well, but always knew hockey was was more was more important to me. Um, and then at a young age I was also go-karting a lot as well. Um that was my other kind of passion. Um so I was ranked in I think it was South London for a little bit or ranked in London or something like that for for my age, for a young age. And then um uh, and then I tried a new track to, and um, had a torrid time, and I was just like, I can't, I can't spend my weekends trying to study tracks and all this type of stuff. There's so much skill and dedication to routine and all this stuff, and I just didn't really have the discipline for it. So I, I, <laughs> I called it a day. Um, has all these other different uh, experiences have, have has this multi-sports background? Has it helped your goalkeeping? I mean, rugby, I suppose, is, uh, even though there's no goalkeeper, you're still using your hands quite a lot. And... Yeah, I mean, I don't think rugby did as a ball sport, because, I mean, the ball's so massive and it travels pretty slowly um, and it's just catching an egg. Um, but in terms of 
being hit a lot and beaten up and stuff, I kind of, I guess that kind of gave a little bit of toughness because it's a hard ball to not be afraid. So if you know, if you're taking down, trying to take down monster guys, then, you know, been hit by a hockey ball in that kind of, but the other sports, cricket, definitely the movement with, with wicket keeping, um, edges off the bat, deflections, things like that definitely helped. Um, I'd say go-karting is so reflex-based in terms of, I mean, one, in terms of the discipline of the lines that you need to do, but the other bit is uh, obviously the, you know, spotting opportunities to, to um, you know, to overtake and reactions of things that happen in front. So, yeah, that, that definitely helped. And then football, it was the best in terms of it's relatively similar. So he played in goal in football. So he played in goal. Uh, well, he's been a, a keeper in in a wicket keeper in cricket. Um, but yeah, yeah, international standards hockey goalkeeper. Um, what are the similarities between all these positions? What are the differences? What in terms of technique, in terms of body stance, and centre of gravity, and so forth. Um, I think I think thing with hockey is it's more more foot than hand. Um, I mean, that's why I actually love. I'm a Man United fan, and I love David De Gea. He uses his feet more like a football, more like a hockey goalkeeper um, or a futsal uh, goalkeeper. He's kind of revolutionised the game in that regard. Um, similarities also again with De Gea that I love is that he never leaves his five yard box he's always pretty close to his goal line to make reaction saves um, in terms of differences um, I think with, um, with with hockey you must, must keep your weight forward more than you do in football I think I see a lot of times footballers can kind of, football goalies can kind of go the wrong way or something like that and they can stick out a leg or it hits them a bit more because the ball's bigger um, and I don't think you get punished as much for leaning back because you can kind of get away with it a little bit more. Um, and then with wicket keeping, you're in a really crouched position. Uh, the big difference is obviously the ball is coming forward from the bowler, but you know, it's, it's the movement of the reaction, it, you're, not, you're not having such a clear trigger movement. So with hockey or football, it's clear there's a back lift either with the hockey stick or the foot, and then you're trying to set on the back of that, obviously with the... Um, when someone moves their bat forward, they're not moving it towards you. So that it's uh, the kind of reactions are a little bit different. But in terms of um, being patient and things like that, I think are, are are really really important as well. Now, I'm not I'm not a, a huge cricket fan by any stretch of the imagination. But I've been reading Mike Brearley's book uh, on the art of captaincy. It, it might really be the ex England uh, Test captain. Yeah. Uh, back in the 80s, I think it was, 70s or 80s. And cricket seems to be, more than many other sports, very, very much dependent on, on being given different challenges in training. You, you know, you, you, can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't watch the ball onto, into, into your glove as a wicketkeeper or into your bat as a batsman. You kind of need to be, for it to become incentive, but you're looking at perhaps the... the, the the, the body motion of the, of the bowler, um, the wrist action. The, you, need, you need to know about the, the state of the turf and perhaps the history of, of techniques and stuff of the opposition. Would you would you agree with that? I would. I would definitely take his word over mine. I mean, I didn't play a particularly high level of cricket. Um, I, I wish I pushed myself a little bit harder with it. I wish I kind of recognised 
um, the kind of the more important bits. But um, yeah, I think again one of those things you talk about. I don't think are cricket related in terms of that, but in terms of the prep that, like for example, that I'll do for the drag flickers that I'm up to come up and face against, and maybe whatever routines they have from long corners, short corners, um, set pieces, all this stuff. Stuff there's so much prep goes into that and the cricket will do it as well but theirs will be more individual based than you know, so if I'm playing a certain team I know they like to play crash balls so I might have to change my ready I might have to change my starting position or something like that it's a it's a far more principle and orientated sport as opposed to cricket which is far more individual more individualistic is how I would I would say how important do you think that multi-sports background is for goalkeepers? Question. Uh, I never thought it was. But the more I've done interviews talking to people about goalkeeping and things like that, I think I think it does. Um, it does make a big difference. I think I think you can kind of see a little bit more natural in terms of pe people who are natural. Um, if they've played more sports of a similar position as opposed to being only processed into one um one position so I think, I think it does have an important um i actually think especially up to the age of 14 i think it's pretty important to um yeah sports so you can have some interest learn some different things and then probably by that age i think that's kind of where you need to be so yeah, I've been I've been asking that question for uh, to a few people. If you if you if you think an, a goalkeeper needs to specialise or a player needs to specialise to become an elite level athlete, when do you think that should happen? Yeah, fourteen. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely, probably the latest. Yeah. In my guess, um, again, I didn't specialise early enough. Um, maybe maybe I would have been a better goalie maybe I wouldn't have been maybe I would have been exactly the same um, but I definitely would have had a better um, route into the sport to do things and I think if you're if you're kind of playing so many different things then there are other people who are specialising and they will get ahead um, so I mean I, I remember when I first went to my men's hockey training with Reading and I'm a 19 year old kid who's you know, and you're so out of your depth. <laughs> and it was something that I would have definitely, and then had to sink or swim. And luckily I was able to um, learn quickly and, and, and was the level that I want to achieve. Um, so, and I went on my own to get in touch with them. So when I was at Reading, uh, the assistant coach was a goalie and he said look because of your height and your your style of play you should probably try and learn off jimmy lewis the xgb goalie and i got his email and just messaged him and said would you coach me i didn't realize he was a world-class coach i just thought he was a good just a really good goalkeeper who i watched as a kid when he was playing for um playing for gb and that's where our relationship started but um i mean if i had that access and that kind of drive to do that at 16 my career would have started much earlier. I have no doubt about that. What, what makes a good goalkeeper? Um, so for me, it's very much in terms of you could be the fastest 
the most technically gifted. Um, if you have poor balance, then you won't be able to do that. And I see a lot of goalies, for example, you know, they could be moving the wrong way or anything, but if you just stand still and you're balanced and you're not, that's, that's the, if you want to have access to the other skills, you need to have good balance. That's the first thing. Um, and then when I say bravery, I don't mean, I hate that bravery has been interpreted as sliding out or diving at somebody's feet. For me, I think that's a bit of a cop out. I think being brave is being able to stand there and someone's going to shoot at the penalty spot and you don't go and run at them. You hold your ground, you're brave to face that shot and do the best you can. Because the easiest cop out is to run and all you do is make yourself smaller. Now you've got no, no balance to make reactions over anything like that. So it is balance to be able to access and then decision making comes with bravery. And that is being, again, static and balanced. You, you mentioned how much you admire David De Gea at Man United's football club. That hey, stays quite close to this line. I've listened to some of your other interviews over, over the COVID pandemic periods. We going over the after the backboards interview you did this morning, and how much you were saying that in indoor since you moved to Germany you've stuck to your line a bit more. You seem to admire a particular style of goalkeeper. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I see these kind of again football contexts, always the best because it's the best known. But it's like oh, De Gea versus Neuer. I'm like, I don't like Neuer's style of running around around the halfway line trying to head of the ball and stuff. Yeah, like clearly a talented footballer. And when he does stay on his line, he does make amazing saves. But I've, I've known that as a you are as a goalkeeper, you should be reacting to the situation in terms of the decision for the attacker. And if you come flying out, then you can be eliminated with a pass or anything, anything like that. So it's a good. I posted um, Amy yesterday making an incredible two v one save. And the easiest option and the get out of jail card was to just run straight at the attacker, but that decision would have been made for the attacker. Keepers coming, slip it round or shoot. Uh, but she didn't, she held her ground and she reacted to them passing the ball. And to me, that's brave, great balance to hold and then dive. And um, yeah, that's, that's the sort of style that, um, you know, I, I really appreciate because I know how much um, uh, Discipline to kind of stay there, especially when there might be somebody else around shout, you know, come out, come out, come out. You know, you know, to back your principles and go for it. I, I, I really respect that. Does the goalkeeper need to have a, a different mindset to the rest of the team? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, you have the mindset is, a, you know, the mindset is different that a mistake is a goal. Um, so I, I personally, when I play, I have quite a um, negative outlook um, when I play. So off, <laughs> off the field, I'm pretty positive and I'm pretty happy-go-lucky and super relaxed. But when I've got my helmet on, I'm essentially the complete opposite. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone's out, you know, this, you, you know, you make a mistake and you've let everybody down. Uh, there's so much pressure riding on that, even in training, this is, this is it, like, don't, don't make mistakes. Um, and I know it sounds quite counterintuitive because, you know, you, you want to be confident, but the confidence is don't, don't, don't let anyone down by making mistakes. 
Um, and that was something I, I definitely learned later. So when I was younger, it was always about, I want to make the flashy saves and I, I you know, I want to do, I want to do all the, all the stuff that gets, that gets noticed, but actually you either, you either can do that or you can't do that in terms of a reaction. You can preempt it, but then you're guessing and then you're, you're never going to be as good. If you can do that under a reaction base, then, then you are very good. Um, but then it was actually not how good are you on your best day, it's how good are you on your on your worst day. So it's that kind of I'm trying to keep the bottom up, not trying to look at the positive side going to the top. And uh, yeah, something I, I kind of made that decision when I started playing first team hockey because I realised how much was riding on the games and all this type of stuff. And that was that was you know that was a good lesson. I'm glad I, I worked that out. I mean, I've been told it a long time, but for it to click and understand is a completely different thing. So, so when you are playing in games, who, who, who shouts the loudest? Is it, is it the coach? Is it, is it, is it the captain or is it you as a goalkeeper? Uh, I, think, I think it's me, to be honest. That's just, but it's, it's not necessarily because I'm annoyed with people. It's more for myself to, um, the game. I know if I'm in, if I'm quiet and I'm not saying stuff, or that means I'm distracted and I'm not interested and I'm not at, at my. I'm not going to be. If I know I'm fully engaged talking with people, being a complete nuisance, then I'm. I mean, we, in Germany it's a little bit different. I mean, um, it's a little bit strange to the German guys that a goalkeeper is talking so much because um, the the German goalkeepers tend to be quite quiet and it's normally the sweeper that does most of the talking. And then obviously I come and then now there's two people shouting. Um, so it's a little bit different, but uh, I have a great, re great relationship with um, Rabbi Rebenta, who's our sweeper and ca captain and played with. Um, but he's, he likes having us working as a team together to kind of get, get the team to, um, depends on the coach. I mean, I had Jason Lee at Reading doesn't actually talk a huge amount kind of very calm composed sort of character um not emotional very stat based so he can really talk to you and then very loud coach for example similar to the uh being a, the the the, the what's coach here he's a, he's a very loud kind of coach so you, you yeah i mean it's all personalities i guess how's 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 your german can you sway it can you um can you Curse it for defenders shit. They understand English well enough when I'm swearing at them, so they're okay. But uh, yeah, my my German's not great. I can understand a decent amount, but I'm not not that comfortable speaking it. <laughs> I remember my um, my first club was uh, Tulsa and Dulwich in London, yeah. and uh, I played a goal. Playing for the sit for eleven, I think the third team captain dropped down to help us out. He was a defender. He said to me in the clubhouse afterwards, so I have a mild speech impediment. So he's, he said to me, tell you the only words I could understand from you were the expletives. <laughs> well, there you go. That's what you need to say then. <laughs> yeah, goalie with Tourette's is probably the best way to do things, I, think, I reckon. I think if I have to start pushing that, that narrative out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so training. Training exercises. What does your training regime look like? How do you become a good goalkeeper? How do you get yourself there? 
have a good goalie coach makes a massive difference. Um, again, seeing what you feel and what is actually happening is sometimes quite different. So it is important that you have someone who understands goalkeeping um, to be able to push you technically, help you with decision-making. And then obviously your relationship with a coach as a goalie coach is a little bit different in terms of the, so I've done coaching for teams and stuff. And my kind of thing is I'm, I'm not as a, as a head coach, I'm not there to be your friend. I'm there to kind of, get the team rolling and um, make tough decisions and you know when you're a goalie coach you're more of a friend in terms of you, your role is this one person not one person but the squad of goalkeepers you're working with and to keep them happy and to make sure they're um, feeling that they're improving and that they are improving or, or they're maintaining what they need to do and just kind of listen to their problems and help them out because you want them to play well to help the team um, so it's a less collective responsibility in that regard. Um, so that that is having a good coach, uh, a good coach and that relationship that, that comes with it, if possible. So, so most teams, most clubs or national sides tend to have two to four goalkeepers milling around in the training squad. Uh, how many people are you training with for, for Hamburg? How many people are you training with for Scotland? Sometimes it's just my, my, um, myself and, and, and Dave Forrester and then with, uh, with UHC it's myself with uh, the young guys you kind of have your core too and then like with Scotland or UHC sometimes you have a third goalie kind of coming in yeah, my first season at UHC, we had four goalies and it was absolutely terrible. Um, at the time, it was just trying to do drills to kind of keep all goalies involved and it wasn't... wasn't yeah. trying to... Multiple conversation with goalies. So you need to solidly a two and then ideally if you can have a third in, then that's also great. How do you get on with the other goalkeepers? What's the relationship like? Is it... Is it uh, uh... It's it's unique in that you have, you have to train together to get better, but it's but also you're also going for the same same one position. Is it a fun competition? Is it an arty competition? I mean, how 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 is that relationship? All the goalies I get on really well, especially off the, off the field. Um, when it comes to training and stuff like that, I'm very kind of focused I'm not really interested in chatting or doing anything I just want to do basically that's all I'm focused on um in a kind of selfish way I guess um certainly with some of the younger goalies it's good because they'll they actually want to learn from you they're not competing um so you, you actually have a responsibility to do things properly to do them well to show um, and then with you know with Dave he wants to kind of he's always happy to discuss stuff and um he's, he's a good guy to have around he's never you know he, he works extremely hard um i mean at the europeans um you know we go through videos together and you know he if he'd spot anything he would happen it's just nice to have someone to bounce ideas off um so yeah i mean on on the whole it's it's all pretty positive how does how does that 
how does the game-based stuff work? I know the, the the ladies team, they, or at least the Europeans in 2019, they were rotating uh, per quarter. Do you do that as well with the uh, with the men's team? No, I mean we did we we did it in World League Two, um, but obviously we couldn't get we couldn't get through to the next round, so there was wasn't really a competition of winning something. It was kind of just trying new things and seeing how it goes. Um, personally, I don't like it because it's so hard to get your rhythm, and I know it's really easy for me to say this as a goalie, but it's the hardest position on the field. Um, and to just kind of add more difficulty to be like, oh, play for a little bit, come off for a little bit is, is, is bad. And I don't think it's good for a confidence. And I think it takes, a, I mean, it's also a little bit in terms of um, when I see like Australia do it and stuff like that, it's like they're so dominant <laughs> and so good that the goalie doesn't make, isn't a massive, isn't as huge an influence as compared to when you're playing the lower teams and I think I've seen a lot more mistakes come on the back of it from goalkeepers and I, I really don't think it's surprising that Van Ash is so far ahead of everyone because he plays every minute of everything you know if you've got two goalies at a, um, a six or a seven and one plays they're probably going to hit an eight or a nine but the other's not going to improve but when you have them both sharing they're either both either going to just stay where they are they're both not going to shoot up at an alarming rate and I think that's one of the key reasons that I think is massively not mentioned with Belgium is why they where they are where they are because they have, they've had the best goalie for a long time, but he plays more than everyone else. Um, and it's the same. It's actually the same with Spain. The reason Spain overachieved is because they have a class goalie who plays a lot. You know, but as long as it's open and honest with everybody in the team, I mean, like you have Arthur Van, um, not Arthur Van Dorn. He's also an amazing goalkeeper. Being like first choice goalie for most national teams that aren't Belgium, but his role is to be supportive, and because um, the guy ahead of him is the best in the world, he has a choice. He doesn't have to be there. <laughs> you know, it's tough. You know, but he he's a class goalie, and when Van Ash goes, he's at the right age to step up. So I, I you know, in that regard, um, but yeah, it's, it is a position like no other, and I'm not. On club coaching, it's something I'd never ever want to, you know, I'm just very clear who's my number one, who's my number two. That's it. So, what do you do on the training pitch? What do you do in the gym to be a goalkeeper? What do you do that's similar to the outfielders and what do you do that's different? Um, so, with the, uh, with the gym stuff, <clears throat> a lot of core exercises. Um, I'm very fortunate UHC we have the top top strength and conditioning coach he also does some of the German national team strength and conditioning stuff highly qualified good guy uh, he's really good in terms of you're a goalie so you don't really need speed endurance you need power and short sprints and things like that so being specific to your role um, obviously it's you need to have a fitness that you can do but you, know, you, don't, you don't need to be winning the thousand yard test and stuff like that it's not really going to help um, and yeah, and then in terms of training, we do again the different stuff. We're we're there three to four times a week, so there's a lot of athletic training prior or or after after hockey. Um, and then again, it's 
sometimes you'll have to do more than you'd normally do, but just kind of do it and do the best you can. And there are always guys in the team who are phenomenal, phenomenal athletes and better long, better at speed endurance or whatever it may be. And yeah, as long as, as long as it's as long as it's not prohibiting performance, then you know it's good. And on the training pitch, when you're when you're in your pads, what sort of uh, stuff are you doing to keep your eye in? A lot of time you're just stuck on the end of drills a lot of the time. Um, you don't normally have something so specific. I mean, last the season that we're in at the moment, we have a Ollie Corn. He's been taking a lot of the goal scoring stuff. So when he does it, all of a sudden goalie training, being involved in his drills, goalkeeping is the best place ever. It's like realistic goal scoring, shooting, backspace shooting, deflections. Really nice stuff, you know, two-touch, really realistic stuff, very Australian-style training. But obviously, if you're down in coaching stuff, then it can be these long-winded drills with 10 passes and people shooting without a defender and coming in too close and all this type of nonsense. So it, it's just about, just as a goalie, you're just, just trying to do the correct processes. You're not there to save everything. You're just there to not really make mistakes, as negative as that sounds, but that's how I view it. So what makes a good goalkeeping coach, do you think? Um, for me, it's, uh, Again, the stuff that I learned off Jimmy is, it's, it's have, it is for me, it's a good relationship, a working relationship. Um, you know, someone that you trust, um, that you can share ideas with, um, but also has the understanding of what are your strengths. Um, seeing things from a technical point of view of what can help here. Um, and for me, that really helped is, is you know, style, the blueprint that we kind of have for whether it's a baseline entry, you know, when they cut away and they're within five meters, that's a trigger to go, something like that. So it's a nice little kind of structured platform. For me, that helps massively. Um, you could argue maybe it's less, um, but for me and for people that I coach, that they, they tend to, like having a bit more of a guidance and a blueprint it's not necessarily black and white you know there is always going to be variations and, and and changes within the situation but when you have a kind of rough guidance of what you're trying to follow that that to me helps a lot so principles of play as, as such as a goalkeeper so on match day how, how do you warm up how do you prepare for a game when you're actually there on the day on the pitch Meetings done quite close to the game time, which is quite difficult uh, compared to the national team stuff where you tend to do it because you're in a hotel together and you've got loads of time to kill. You either do the, the meeting the night before or a few hours before, which is much better prep, but you can't expect that at club hockey, um, especially in a non-fully professional environment. You can't expect that. Uh, it's just not realistic. Um, but yeah, you, you get you get there, you get to your team meeting and try and have a, a coffee um nice strong double espresso to um an hour to 45 minutes before i play um have same music that i listen to before i play all the time and then i have my specific goalie warm-up so i don't really join in with the team too much the only thing i like to do is if i can get out early enough is actually to get on a stick and ball and just pass it around with someone just to are there are there any particular warm-ups that you'd like to go through? 
it's so funny when you're when you're playing sometimes when the meetings run over or whatever you might have a bit shorter time so you're kind of doing if if it's absolutely spot on then you're looking at doing a um, little bit of passing start left and right foot <clears throat> ideally if you can have another person there then you can have a triangle which is better so you're not kicking it straight directly back to the person that kicked it to you and I like to do um, one post and then players on the opposite post and then they essentially just play it um, towards a straight line uh, ball down sliding and your diving technique feeling right afterwards and some shooting with deflections basically so what are you thinking about what what, do you, what goes through your mind before a match during the match after the match what what's the psychological process to take a bit of time to uh, when I'm warming up to have a ball, but actually visualizing where it goes. So I'm just getting my body movement right. So a little bit like the um, skiers that you see them when they're about to go on their, you know, down the slalom and stuff like that, whether they're looking to go, I like to kind of have, right, that's a, as, ball and then it's going to be like a, a, a left shin say for example so just there's the ball just trying to get my timing my feeling um of how the how it should feel this is without any kit on this is just in yeah and just kind of going through the rehearsals because with goalkeeper in, in in my mind there's only a certain amount of saves that you can make in terms of technical things it shouldn't be random you know shots down the middle use a cross kick anything that's wide on the foot using save and clear if it's higher shin save uh hand saves whatever the technique's always the same so it's just about going through those those movements again now i believe that you also play quite a bit of indoor hockey uh in in germany how did are there differences in goalkeeping style between uh, the indoor side game and the outdoor 11 side game? Yeah, I think the, the thing is, you're just involved a lot more. You're just going to have way more touches. Um, yeah, there's definitely so things. You can definitely score a German goalie because they have certain things that they like to do that they're encouraged to do, which is, for example, someone carrying down the baseline, they would like to run out and charge, charge that. To be very tall, so they like to use their size a bit more. I, mean, I, went, I, I try not to have a different style for indoor and outdoor. You know, the, the, the game should be supporting each other. So, again, it's shot stopping style, deep, um, stuff. So, I don't, I don't really change anything too much. Um, it was a little bit of a surprise to some people, I guess, when they're playing again, you know, UHC from. Very aggressive goalkeeper was a German indoor goalie. He was more like keeper sweeper, that Neuer style of goalkeeper, and he was very, very good at it. Um, and what he could do in terms of that, but if he tried to play my game of deep shot stopping, I think he would have struggled. Shot stopping based goalkeeper. Um, so for me, it was about shots from wide angles I'll, I'll happily sit deep and, and take the shot on rather than trying to make a tackle as such um so yeah i think that through through a few people but they actually were quite open and like to see something a bit different and yeah will coach and do coach the um when i coach german indoor goalie
and they seem to like it on the whole. What do, what do you prefer playing, indoor or outdoor? I prefer indoor, I think. Um, I think part of it comes with being in Germany, the, the atmosphere of an indoor game is better than anything that you can get in an 11-a-side game. In terms of when you go to 11-a-side game, it's quite spectators, I guess, regardless of where you are, whether it's international or club hockey, it's not a huge spectator sport. But when you have the same numbers turning up in a hall, all of a sudden it's a sellout and it's a packed stadium and you've got drums and there's a far more uh, passionate atmosphere. It's more like a football game than it is a hockey game. And um, yeah, so one is, is the atmosphere makes it better for me. Um, and it's just that it's not just the constant involvement in the game is great as well. Do you think that we play enough indoor hockey in, in Scotland, in, in the UK? Enough. And I mean, the facilities in the UK are arguably better than, than, what, than what we have in Germany. Again, I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to play it, especially from a, whether it's a goalkeeper or, uh, or a field player, your, your, your basics will improve massively. They have to in, in, the, in the tight game get way more ball contact. Uh, you know, it's a far more high-scoring game. The UK being a small country with great facilities. It's like a big country with poor facilities and it doesn't do, and it just doesn't do enough. Um, and that's really up to to really make a clearer window of when in Germany, it's very clear. November to February, everyone is playing indoor. You don't have to play, but there's no outdoor going on at that time, you know. Um, but it's the coldest time of the year. The pitches are, I mean, the weather between Hamburg and, and, and the UK isn't that different. They're both terrible in the winter. It's so cold. Uh, and yeah, there's nothing doing it. <laughs> What do you think of hockey fives? Actually, a little bit earlier off off uh, uh, off mic, I, I just really think it's a it's a disaster for the game. I think it's a really bad hybrid of taking the worst bits of both games and then combining it into this a third version of the game we didn't we didn't need. Um, a fives pitch is still exceptionally high. You've got, you know, let's say you've got to pump loads of water onto the pitch. It's not environmentally friendly. Um, it's just not good and it's not an attractive looking sport. Um, I'm nothing really positive to say about it. I think it's a good, I, I think the one thing it could do uh, if it was done, but not as an international sport, to me, hockey fives is the same as goals. And I, don't see, and I think hockey fives has the potential to be a business that is, of of uh, goals, which is whether it's in a in a city and there's loads of these little cages and everyone has a game of hockey in the middle of the week with their mates. So I think that's kind of okay. I think that's a nice way to kind of push the game, but it is not an international style sport. It's a it's a makeshift version of the game that doesn't need to be introduced to the international scene. What do you think of the, of the FIH Pro League? is a good concept um i actually don't have an issue with with it uh i kind of have no issue with the sport being 
I do have an issue with when it's British. It's just about how indoor could benefit outdoor and vice versa. But, you know, having GB play Australia in the middle of January is just ridiculous. Um, you know, it's so hot in Australia for one. It's so cold in the UK. There needs to be a clearer, and this is something football does much better than anyone else, which is these international breaks. And for me, that's where hockey could be doing the pro league. You know, there's an international break for two weeks because the players are funded more funded by their clubs, not by the um, matches on during the Bundesliga. No one would be released to play, so they wouldn't have a strong team out. So, and and that's where I feel the Premier League has the opportunity to do that, but it's poorly done in terms of they just sit down and feel it and if club hockey gets no one seems to care at the FIH. So who have been the best goalkeepers that you've played with? Who have been who have been the best goalkeepers that you've played against? I probably have played with was Nick Brothers, um, GB goalie at the time, absolutely his um, <laughs> not give a shit attitude was amazing. Um, he should have been the GB number one for a long time, especially after 2012. I really thought if he hung around, he would have played at Rio and probably could have played the next one. I just think he was absolutely class. But uh, he always said to me, "If you're not enjoying it, don't do it." And he wasn't he wasn't enjoying his hockey at the time, so. Um, and then in terms of national team, there was a small part where uh, under 21s were training with the seniors, and Ali McGregor was uh, was in the squad. He was kind of coming towards the end, but I mean, if he if he still had the motivation and wanted to, he would have, in my mind, would have played 2012. Um, great goalkeeper, great athlete, great guy. Um, so yeah, they're the two. And then in terms of against. Um, Recently, um, Rob, um, Vincent Van Asch is the goalkeeper for them. Um, he wasn't that busy against us. We didn't really challenge him too hard. Um, but so not basing him on that on that particular game, but in terms of what he has gone on to achieve and, and done as someone I've played against, he, he, he's the best goalie. What goalkeepers do you admire from any stage of, of hockey history, uh, played with or against or just, just watched play? Who, who do you admire the most? What goalkeepers really sort of get you get you loving the position? Just in hockey or all sports? One for hockey, one for different sports. Uh, hockey. Gus Vogels. Uh, great shot stopping style of goalkeeping. Um, yeah. Other sports. Uh, I mean, as a kid. I'm very Man United biased, but I mean, Peter Schmeichel made me want to be a goalkeeper. It's not the style of goalkeeping that I do myself, but his kind of presence on the pitch was was amazing. His communication, his passion, loved that. And then when when it transitioned over to Barthez, far more my style of kind of diving around, but being close to his goal line. And then the better version of that is now David De Gea, who's kind of the complete package in my mind. And then in terms of other sports, even though I don't watch huge amount of cricket or follow it, I mean... Adam Gilchrist as a goalkeeper, you want to talk about his ability to to that position of responsibility and athleticism and um, one of the guys you looked at and you were like, if you put him in hockey pants, he would have probably been one of the best. Last question. 
Why is the goalkeeper the most important person on the pitch? You get to see everything, which is true. So you can kind of see when the when the um, opposition counterattacks, you're, you're in charge of counter-defence. Um, you have the responsibility of running short corners. And basically, you're, you know, the ball out of the net. And the better you can do that, you're basically giving your team extra goals. Um, so, yeah, you just have this huge responsibility to to turn up and play well, basically. And it's not it's not the most appreciated on the scoreboard. Um, but yeah, your your role is to kind of organise and keep things ticking over. And, and I think it was a quote from Alex Ferguson, the ex-Man United football coach, about possibly about Pitch Michael. He was saying. A good goalkeeper will save save your team or win your team thirteen points a season. Yeah, I think, I think they can. What Michael was doing at the time at his peak was a bit like what De Gea was doing at his peak as well. It's nice to see him getting back to his best. Um, but yeah, the goalkeeper can earn you earn you x amount of points a season, and, and that's why they're so valuable. Tommy Alexander of Scotland Hockey. Thank you so much. Me, nice to chat, goalie chat <laughs> for a solid amount of time. So yeah, thanks for having me. Nice. This has been a half court press production by Teo McLeod.